Hey, this is Jim, pastor of Decided Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope the sermon you're about to hear just blesses your heart and really encourages you. If you don't mind, subscribe. That way you'll get instant notifications every time a sermon is uploaded. And by all means, if you're feeling led to give, click on the giving link and there'll be more directions to follow. God bless. Enjoy the message. Amen. Thank you, Alyssa. I'm so honored and glad to be up here with you guys. So... I don't know if you guys made it to Fall Fest last night, but it was a fun time. I know I had, uh, I think they said that we like dished out like a thousand hot dogs or something. I was like, that's crazy. I think I had like three or four myself. So whew, I don't know if you guys helped with that or not with the hot dog eating, but it was, it was a great time. Um, a lot of work goes into it. So if you see um, Sherry Comer out and about, uh, just, just tell her, uh, just give her some thanks. She did such a good job. She kind of organized it, you know, got everyone. There's a lot of hands in the pot to, to help that event like that go on. So we are so grateful for that, that we can, you know, share what, you know, God's doing it at Decided. So um, had a great time. If you didn't make it, we missed you and we missed a good time. That's, that's all I got to say. So, um, but today we're going to continue in our uh, sermon series called Boot Camp. Uh, I've been, I've been. This is a fun one. This has been great. Um, just coming back to the basics, right? Going back to what makes Decided Church unique and different. What, what do we? T- what makes us tick? What is important to us, right? And so this will be going on, I think, for one more week, right, Jim? One more week, and so you'll get some more next week as well. And then Christmas season. I can't believe it's already here, right? Christmas season is here. But um, to kind of introduce this next uh, Decided Church directive and and uh, some core value, uh, I want to play a game with you guys. Does anyone like game shows? You guys like watching game shows? I know. I hear you. Game Show Network, right? You got, you know, Family Feud, Paul Harvey, or Paul Harvey, not Paul Harvey. That's a completely <laughs> different person. That's the, uh, that's the rest of the story. Oh my goodness. I did, I did well with that all three services. You guys got the the unedited version. Uh, no, Steve Harvey is what I meant to say. He is hilarious. Let's see, what other game shows? Uh, Newlywed Game Show. You guys watch that at all? Newlywed Game Show is kind of funny. Listen to them. But today we're going to do, I think it was called, maybe you can help me out. It was called um, Dating Game. Did you guys ever see that one? Is that what it was called where they had like three different bachelors and they had one person that's kind of asking the questions, you know, they're like, bachelor number two, uh, what do you like to do on the weekend or whatever? Is that, is that what the name of dating game? Okay, okay, just making sure I got it right because if not, I'd said it wrong the other two services, so you guys got it right this time. But yeah, we're going we're gonna to play dating game. Is that okay? You guys are going to get to pick a contestant, right? Chris, you got to pick somebody today to, to date. Is that gonna, okay, it's, no, okay. He said, no thanks, no thanks. No, but I'm, I'm going to introduce three candidates, three bachelors today, and I want, I want you guys to pick one of them, okay? I'm going to give you some characteristics. And so uh, without further ado, bachelor number one, we're going to call him Mr. A for now. He's going to be anonymous, but then I'm going to give you their identities at the end. But Mr. A, some characteristics. Uh, he is um, friends with some corrupt politicians, so you know, not, not not a good start, right? <laughs> Some of you are like, uh, "Yep, already already not gonna pick him." Uh, but let me let me keep going. He's friends with some corrupt politicians. He's uh, kind of into astrology, like he consulted like astrologers and like was into that. Um, had two wives. Uh, was a chain smoker and uh, drank eight to ten times a day. 
Okay, yeah, not looking so good, right, Candy? First Bachelor, not, yeah, not not doing so great. Okay, let's let's move on. Let's see if you know Bachelor number two is any better, right? I also feel kind of like you guys ever seen Shrek? I feel like you know, pick number three, my lord. Okay, this is a different different thing. All right, but Mr. B here, um, a second contestant, was uh, kicked out of office actually, um, twice. <laughs> kicked out of office twice. Um, usually slept till like noon. Sounds pretty nice, right? I don't, ladies, I don't know if that you want that in, in, in your man, but slept till noon, uh, used opium in college, and drank whiskey every evening. So there's that. So con contestant number one, we've got uh, poli corrupt politicians. We've got um, drank eight to ten times a day. Number two, we've got he's kind of slept till noon, used opium, drank whiskey. So uh, without even mentioning the last one, you're kind of like, okay, this is, you see where this is going, right? So Mr. C here is a decorated war hero. Um, this might be a con to this contestant. He's a vegetarian. Uh, so you take that for what it's worth. He's a vegetarian. Didn't smoke, though. He didn't drink. Uh, never cheated on his wife. And actually, he inspired millions so we got contestant one, contestant two, and three. What are you guys going with? What do you, who do you want to pick? Okay, number three. Now, did someone say A or B? I know you want to. Okay, Brandon wants to. I know. And every group, that someone was like, I know you want me to pick three, but I am just, I'm not going to because I know, I just want to be different, right? Well, we'll see. We'll see your choices if you picked one or two. All right, Mr. A or Mr. B, we'll see who you picked here. All right, so let's reveal their identities. Okay, it's kind of like to tell the truth. You ever see that game show too? It's like now you see the real identity. So Mr. A here, um, corrupt politicians, right? Astrology, drink eight to ten times a day is actually none other than our 32nd president, FDR, Franklin Roosevelt. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Franklin Roosevelt. So that that was him, right? Led led the nation. Um, Mr. B here kicked out of uh, office twice right? Um, slept until noon, whiskey every night. It's actually Winston Churchill, which for those of you that don't know history is the former British prime minister. There you go. And uh, Mr. C, the one that we all thought was, you know, wonderful, right? Uh, decorated war hero, the vegetarian, you know, we don't, not a big deal. Didn't smoke, but didn't drink. Inspired millions is actually Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler. Yeah, and so <laughs> some of you are like, okay, well, wait a minute. What are, what are we getting ourselves into today, right? This is crazy. We talked about game shows. Now we're talking about Hitler. What, what in the world is going on? But um, that's, ex that's exactly what is at the heart of this message is that sometimes our resume or, you know, how, how people view us or, you know, what we portray is a lot different than what's on the inside, right? That that we can have this wonderful, um, you know, intentionality. We can have good intentions. We can have good religious acts even. Um, on paper, uh, Hitler was actually a, a really outstanding citizen before all the terrible things that he did, right? And Clint, Clinton shared this with me, and he's in the back doing the lyrics, but he's, he's mentioned a time or two. Actually, Time Magazine picked Hitler to be the person of the year. 
Go look it up. It's, this is a true, true statement. It's a fact. T Time Magazine picked him to be person of the year. Can't remember the year. You'll have to get with Clinton on that. But it's, they have taken that magazine out of circulation. And like some libraries, you can't even go find it because they took it out because they, you know, they picked Hitler. Like that's not, that's not a good thing, right? But that's exactly what I'm talking about is like our actions, they say a lot about who we are as people. But what about those of us, kind of like this game show, that we're good at kind of hiding our true selves, right? What about those of us that are really good at acting the part? You know what I'm saying? Like we can, we can put on that brave face. We can put on a smile. Or you might, you might, some of you parents might have come in. And you're like, we're going to act right in church, all right? We're going to make sure you stand up, you sit up straight. We better act right while you're in church. You know what I'm saying? That, that was us, right? Even, even Jake Aaron said it the other day uh, during his call to worship. I don't know if you guys were here for that, but he talked about, you know, putting on that metaphorical suit, right? We want to dress things up, make them look all nice and pretty, even though what's on the inside is completely opposite, right? And for those of us in the South, like, I, I never got this. I never grew up here, but I never understood the dynamic of when you ask people how they're doing, no matter your actual, you know, well-being, you just, you say, oh, good. It's like, oh, how you doing? I'm good. Doing great but your actual life's a dumpster fire. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a complete wreck. You're like, oh, how you doing? Oh, great, yeah, I'm good. How are you? You know what I mean? That, that's, that's at the heart of this message because we, 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 we act the part, right? We put our suit on. We, we, we think, we just put this, you know, situation that's dressed up. It's purdied up. You put a bow on it, make it look nice and make it seem like we have it all together and that everything's fine. But here at Decided Church, we, we don't operate that way. We, we were in boot camp, and so we're going to continue with this next Decided Church directive. And, and I think that is at the core DNA of what makes Decided Church different and unique. And that is our core value and one of my personal favorites, be real, attract real. That's what we're about here. We're, you know, Jim kind of said that thing about we, we, we want to be about it, not just talk about it. We want to embody that. We want to be real so that we can then attract that as well. We want to be real, attract real. And so in order to kind of talk about this, I want to, I want to define a few things for you. The first is the definition of real, which states this, behaving or presented in a way that feels true, honest, or familiar, and without pretension or insincerity. So being real is, is the idea of we want to be genuine, right? We want to be honest, not with, only with others, but with ourselves. We want to present ourselves in a real way. And if, if we're really being honest with ourselves here, if we're truly honest and real, we would understand that we are broken, we are broken and inherently flawed. We are flawed individuals in need of a Savior. In Romans, it tells us that all fall short to the glory of God. That's every single one of us in here. We all fall short. And that describes the need of our Savior. And so before we can even talk about the second part of the core value, attract real, we really, I want to hone in on and understand this idea of being real that what real is, we need to become that first in order to attract. 
And to be real, it means that we have to come to the realization and understanding that we are in fact broken. And so brokenness, I want to define it as well in contrast to real here, that brokenness is a condition in which something is badly damaged and unable to continue to work correctly. And scripture, there's a lot of scripture on brokenness, y'all. There's a lot of stories that kind of um, show the brokenness of this world and, and broken families and, and all of that. But I wanted to sh- share with you a, f- a quick three. They're not going to be on the screen. But the psalmist writes three different times uh, about brokenness here. Psalm 34, 18 says this, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. I find comfort in that. Psalm 51, 17 states, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. And then Psalm 147, verse 3, says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So, if you're in here and you might be, you know, some, some of us guys, men, we're like that, right? If we find something that's broken, our initial reaction is to fix it, right? And it's broken, let's fix it. Well, I'm broken, I'm fixed, I can fix myself, right? You, you think of this brokenness and maybe you think like you already have it together. Maybe you think, you know, I've got this, you know, I've got it under control, things are running smoothly, you know, my, my um, finances are coming in, my house is under control, things are going well, right? And maybe you don't think that you're, broken at all. Well, I've got, a, I've got a message for you today. But if you are willing to admit this brokenness, and maybe you've also experienced this, or maybe you currently came in here today with brokenness, and you've been carrying it around for quite some time, that if you know of this brokenness, then, then stay tuned, because this brokenness will lead to something good. And so if you'll do me the honors, we're going to read some scripture. And if you will please stand, we're going to read 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. Got two verses. That's it. That's it today. I'm going to read two verses. We'll dive into it, and then you guys can get to lunch, okay? How's that sound? I'm kind of hungry myself, okay? So, all right, here we go. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we just thank you for today, God. We just thank you for Jesus and showing us that we don't have to stay here in our brokenness. This brokenness is something that, although we can acknowledge that we don't have to stay, that we can move forward, but God, I just pray over this message, Lord. Allow me to decrease so that you can increase. I pray over all the hearts in the room that they can receive this message and that they can apply it to their lives as you see fit. God, I just thank you for this time and opportunity, and I ask for a special blessing over the rest of the service. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you guys. Go and have a seat. So I've got four things for you today out of these two scriptures, two verses. I've got four different areas of brokenness that I want to talk about. 
And the first one is we've been it's yeah, it's got pretty deep fast, right? We're kind of it sounds really negative, right? We're talking about brokenness and stuff that we don't like to talk about a lot of times. So I want to kind of start with a positive note. Um, because the first thing that the Lord brought to my attention is that brokenness, although is still broken and you know not great, but brokenness can be beautiful. So that's my first point today is that brokenness can be beautiful. And, and to help illustrate this point, I, I want to ask a question. Do we have any gardeners in the house today? Does anyone like to garden, like to plant things? A few people. Okay, got one in the back. Okay, a few people. That, that's not us at our house. Um, if you ever like are in need of a plant to die, just send it to our, our house. Essentially, that's where, where all plants go to die. Is, is it's, we've got like a, a, a plant... Uh, a cemetery over there at our house. <laughs> That's basically what happens. We try. We try, don't we, babe? I, I don't know what, what it is. But um, I think we only have one plant still living, and it's the peace lily that Denise <laughs> gave us. <laughs> it's still living. We got one. We got one. But anyways, do um, this, this time of year, though, for gardening, you know, we kind of just had, this is kind of harvest season, right, for those of you that don't know. And um, this is not like a great time to be planting or fun time for gardening, right? Because things are kind of dying off, you know, the season's changing, leaves are falling. So, it, but it reminded me a little bit of, you know, this brokenness and beauty is, is about the seed. And, and when we plant that seed, it's really cool. Um, when you plant it, you know, you obviously have to nurture it. You got to water it, feed it. It needs the nutrients. Eventually it'll take roots and, and grow, and then it'll make something beautiful out of it, right? You usually get like a flower or a fruit, something, something that is inherently good. But something you might not know is that in order for that seed to grow, when, once you plant it, in order for the seed to grow, for growth to happen, for that beautiful flower or fruit to come, that seed literally has to die in order for that growth to happen. This is, this is true. You can look it up. Uh, the seed itself dies in order for it to take root, to start to grow. And so I think that that is a really great way to look at this idea of brokenness can be beautiful is that in order for us in the season we're in or whatever you're going through is that in order for new growth to happen, some of the old has to die off. In order for new growth to, to occur, the old has to die off. Our brokenness can be beautiful, but in order for that beauty to come about, we have to plant ourselves firmly plant ourselves firmly in, in the word of God. We have to die to ourselves in our sinful ways and allow God to grow us. Because in that growth, something beautiful can sprout. But the caveat to that, sometimes that growth, it, it takes time. Sometimes that growth can take time, and that kind of brings me to my next point is, you know, the growth, we want that growth on our timeline, right? We say, okay, God, we're ready to grow in this area, you know? I'm, I'm ready to do this, or I want you to direct me in this area of my life, right? We want, we want growth to happen on our time frame. But when we take that control of our growth, brokenness is, is actually not able to be fixed. When we take control of that growth, this one, that, this next one might hit a little close to home that I'm going to talk about because I know it does for me, but brokenness can be beautiful, but brokenness can't be fixed by busyness. 
We, we can't fix our brokenness by increasing our schedule to fill things and stuff to do. And I know like some of us, we wear busyness like a badge, don't we? You know, we wear business like a badge, like, like it's important, like, oh, oh, can we do something? No, I got, you know, I'm busy. Let me, let me pencil you in three, three weeks later. Let me get you in later. We, we think of ourselves as important, right? It's like, oh, I'm busy. I, I don't have time. I'm busy, right? We wear it like a badge. And what that actually does, our busy schedules, y'all, our busy schedules keep us from actually doing any business with God. Our busy schedules keep us from actually doing any business with God. And if, if, we, just, if we can just stay busy, we, we don't actually have to confront anything, right? If we stay busy, we, we don't have to confront anything that resembles accountability or conflict, conviction, or correction in our lives. If we stay busy doing all these different things, then I don't have to deal with the inner turmoil that's going on. I can just push it aside because, well, I, I have to accomplish this and, well, I got to go do this thing. And, oh, we got to do that on Thursday. Sometimes we get into that tunnel vision, right, of next step, next thing. Serena and I, we say stuff like that all the time in our house of, well, I have to do this or this has to get done. And we normally put that, like, sense of urgency on it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, well, oh, it's, it's got to be done today. It's set. It's, I, I've made it up in my mind, right? This, this task is getting done today, and, and it has to be, or, and, or else we're gonna, it's going to be a terrible day, and we're going we're gonna to be upset, right? And I get it. Some situations do dictate some urgency. So I'm not saying that, and I'm not saying we need to procrastinate either. But Serena really hates it when I do this, but I sometimes I want to urge you guys to just take a step back in those situations. And, and I ask her sometimes when she's telling me we got to get A, B, and C done, I ask her, I said, does this have to be, does this have to be, thanks, Alan. We have to be, <laughs> does this have to be done today? Do we have to do this? Does it have to be done? And, and when I ask that, even though it, it, it bothers her and it, it irritates her that I do that, I, I do that for a purpose. And it's not so I can say, like, I want to be lazy or, you know, put it off. I just want to allow her to take a step back and allow us to assess the situation, right? To see, is this really something that has to be done? Is this something that God is really intending for us to do? Or are we just filling our schedule with stuff? Is this something that we are supposed to be doing. And I'm asking her to just take a, step back, take a step back, assess the situation from a different perspective. Because we do. We get stuck in that tunnel vision and we can only see the next project, the next thing on the list. And I'm here to tell you that speed of completion of those tasks, the speed of completion does not impress God. Our productivity doesn't impress God. So what are we trying to do to impress him with our schedules, our, our productivity, or, or even other people for that matter, right? Maybe it's your boss or coworker or friends, whatever the case may be. Who are we trying to impress? Brokenness can't be fixed by busyness, even if, this might get some of the rest of you in this room, 
even if your busyness is doing good things like church activities. Again, not to say those activities are inherently bad in and of themselves, but those church activities do not substitute a relationship with him. Don't mistake religious activity for a relationship. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to tell you to stop going to groups or stop serving in church, right? That's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying that can't be the only Jesus and the only reflection of God you see in your week. You got you have to seek more. You have to cultivate that relationship. So don't mistake religious activity for a relationship. So hopefully we now can at least agree a little bit that we all have a little brokenness, right? Maybe some more than others. I don't know. Don't look to your neighbor. That wouldn't be good at this moment. But some of us, we, we all have a little bit of brokenness. And what's great, though, is we don't have to stay in that broken state. We don't have to stay there. And that's the beauty of it. And the message today ends with the last two here of brokenness can lead to breakthrough if we allow it, right? If we can have our brokenness, if we can acknowledge it, if we can give it to Jesus and allow him to work through our brokenness, it can lead to breakthrough. But that breakthrough comes at the end of ourselves. That breakthrough comes at the end of ourselves and uh, a knowledge and an understanding of the dependency on Jesus. The breakthrough is understanding the need of him and his healing spirit. God must break us of our self-dependence so that he can bless us as we cling to him in our brokenness. And what I really, a cool story in the Bible that I think reflects this really well is the story of when uh, God wrestled with Jacob. If you haven't read it, I really highly recommend it. It's a cool story. But God wrestled with Jacob all through the evening. And what I think is interesting is that, you know, at first glance, you're like, well, why did they wrestle all night, right? That's me. I'm a wrestler. I, I wrestled in high school. Um, some, someday maybe we'll get Dane up here and him and I can show you how to, you know, do some moves. Not the WWE stuff, right? Like the real wrestling. Not the fake stuff. Okay, anyways. But they wrestled all night, and I, I thought, it was like, well, obviously God could have ended the match at any point, right? Like God, God didn't have to wrestle with them all night. It wasn't because Jacob had these great moves he was countering, right? Jacob wasn't like super strong and could resist that, right? It's, to me, it was because God allowed that match to go through the evening to show Jacob that it's at the end of ourselves that he can then begin to work. Because all it took was in the match, uh, God just touched Jacob's hip and it came out of place. And that's what stopped the match. I think it's to show us that it's at the end of ourselves. It's at the end of our stubbornness. It's at the end of our self-reliance and our pride that he can then begin to work. Once we can admit that, once we can admit our brokenness and then it can lead to that breakthrough. And then our final one for today, brokenness can lead to breakthrough, but then brokenness can lead to blessing. Brokenness leads to blessing. And that blessing is being able to pour it out to others. 
pouring out that blessing of understanding that we are broken, that if we are real with ourselves, we can pour that out to others. And that's where the attract piece comes in. Because if we can be real, we can attract that from others and to others. But that should also include our children. You know, we talk a lot about it here at Decided about the next generation, and, and it gets me fired up and gets me going when I talk about it because I, I think that when, when thinking about like the, the new building or thinking about building something for them uh, to have and be able to meet Jesus at their level, that, that gets me fired up to be able to like allow them the space to have a moment with God that I also received is just amazing. And so our brokenness is at this heart of be real, attract real. That we have to understand our broken state in order that we can confront that. And so I want to share with you kind of how we define it. If you've been through like a membership class, you've, you've probably seen it in the booklet. Um, we've talked about it a few times, but I just want to show you how we kind of quote this core value of be real, attract real. And it says this, the church is not a museum for righteous people. Now, we're, we're, not, we're not here to have our starch uh, suits making it nice and crew. We're not up here to be looking, looking the part, right? The church is not a museum for righteous people. It's a hospital for the broken. It's the triage unit. Willingness to admit our faults will often soften the heart of someone to do the same. Brokenness leads to breakthrough. Realness leads to accountability and growth. And so that sharing of our brokenness is what allows people to then open up themselves to their brokenness and allows someone to encounter Jesus in a new and more in-depth way. The blessing received is now expressed to others. And what group better to pass it on to than our next generation? In my family, we we didn't really we weren't open about much of anything. I mean, we talked and we had a relationship, but you know, if any major conflict would ever come up, what, what we did is we would, we would take the rug and we'd lift it up and you just, you know, sweep it up under there. You know what I mean? You just sweep it under the rug, you know, oh, don't worry about that. We don't need to talk about it. Everything's fine, right? Let's, we're just going to keep moving on. You know, we had busy schedules too. My brother and I, we were in sports and um, school. We did all that stuff. And so, but with that came brokenness because we we never really addressed anything. We didn't address the sin. We didn't address the conflict. We never had any resolution. Okay? And, and what I think that, among a lot of other things, led to my parents eventually getting divorced after my brother and I moved out. And so I come from a broken family. And so this idea of being able to share our brokenness with our children is very near and dear to my heart because our children need to see our brokenness. They really do. And I think it's really cool. If, if anyone's ever been a part of like marital counseling here, um, the, Jim does a really cool thing with them. He, has, he makes them do homework, y'all. They have assignments they have to go do. First of all, that's cool, right? But what he makes them go do is they have to go pick out three different couples. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. Three different couples, right? One couple that's fairly newly married. Uh, one couple that is in the thick of it. Is that how you kind of say it? Thick of it, right? And then the last one is, you know, a couple that's been, been together for a while, right? That's maybe ha kids have already um, moved out of the house, things of that nature. And so Serena and I were very fortunate and honored to be asked to be interviewed 
as the couple that's in the thick of it. We've got three kids, right? That's the, that, that, was, that was us. And so I shared with them, I shared with them this, this advice. And this is not for me, this is the Lord. I shared with them that this very idea that our children need to see our brokenness. Not because to admit that we're broken, but in order that we can show them how Jesus can resolve this conflict and resolve the brokenness and, and can work in our lives. Conflict resolution is the game because if our kids aren't seeing good, healthy relationships in the home, they're, they're not going to see it elsewhere. I'm, I'm, I hate to tell you guys this, but society does not give them a good representation of what good, healthy relationships are. So they need to see what a good and healthy relationship looks like at home. And that's with Christ at the center. We need to seek Jesus, allow him to mold us, and allow him to resolve conflict with each other in a healthy way to show them those good relationships. And what's tough about it is this conflict that we have is, is about humbling yourself. When we have that conflict, we, it's about humbling yourself. And, and even if, I'm still in this one too, I, th- I can't remember who's, I think it's Alyssa that normally says this, but uh, even if you have 98% of you, like you are correct in the issue, 98%, you can still own up to your 2%, right? So in that conflict, we can still own up to 2%. We can meet them a little bit and help resolve the conflict because if we're not pouring this out, if we're not teaching the next generation how to do this, how are we going to show them how Jesus can really work in our lives? There's a statistic that says 80% of people believe excuse me, die believing what they believed about Jesus at age 13. 80% of people believe what they believe about Jesus at age 13. So it is so important that we can show them what good relationships look like. And Jeremy Powers puts it this way. I had a lot of name drops in this one, but Jeremy Powers, I, I just want to make, you know, give credit where credit's due. He always says, has this idea and, and saying about our ceiling, our ceiling needs to be their platform. Our ceiling needs to be their platform. So they're not having to, they don't have to start from scratch. We need to teach our children to allow Jesus to resolve conflict in our lives. And that, that starts now. We have to figure out how to do this now. And so I just want to go back and show you why, why I kind of shared the scripture and how each one of these titles of brokenness, where it kind of comes from. The first one, you know, Paul, I think this is really interesting and, and cool to point out because Paul, in writing this right before the verses I shared with you, he's talking about his thorn in the flesh. So even, the, even Paul, one of the best evangelists, other than maybe Christ himself, is broken. Paul is broken. He has a thorn in the flesh. So I think that's really cool. But the scripture says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That brokenness can be beautiful. See how the weakness is made perfect? That weakness, that God can use your weakness, can use your brokenness to to magnify him and his power and make something beautiful out of it. He can take our mess 
and make it beautiful. Then the next verse, it says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Brokenness can't be fixed by busyness. We have to allow Christ to rest upon me. And, and we have to, our rest that we get, the rest that we receive is not the nap that you might be taking here in a little bit, but the rest that we receive is in Christ, y'all. We need to allow Christ to rest upon us. Brokenness can't be fixed by busyness. The next one, and actually the next two fit into this one, for the sake of Christ, this is uh, verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That means that brokenness can lead to breakthrough and blessings. All that brokenness, the weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions. It says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Can lead to breakthrough and blessing. The Bible emphasizes the reality of, of broken homes and broken individuals. And it calls us to be open and honest about it. We are to be real. We need to celebrate the moments when our family experiences God's blessings, but have empathy when we encounter brokenness in others. There will inevitably be a time when your own family struggles with brokenness. A situation that we can't fix by increasing our busyness. Brokenness can, can lead to breakthrough and a blessing from a transformation that only a loving father can bring about. God doesn't promise quick fixes or, or easy solutions. There's no set steps to guarantee healing and restoration. Yet our heavenly father who loves us as a part of his family has the power to heal and restore families. In the midst of brokenness, find comfort in the idea that brokenness can be beautiful. Allow God to work through you. Our Heavenly Father can, just like we sang about earlier, can turn mourning into dancing and transform despair into praise. He can mend the wounds of the brokenhearted and liberate those trapped in darkness. The tragedies that cause deep pain can now be used by God to propel you forward in the purposes for which he created you. Be real, attract real. So reach out to him, seek his mercy for you and your home. Trust in his unwavering love and never lose hope. Our Father sent His only Son to die and rise again, offering forgiveness for our sins and healing for our shame. In the face of all the brokenness in our lives, He remains our steadfast hope for generations to come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today, God. I thank you for this message that our brokenness is a situation that we don't have to stay in, that we don't have to dwell on, God. 
that our brokenness can be used by you and only you. God, I just pray for each individual in this room. I ask that their hearts receive this message today, God, that they are able to take something, a piece, a sliver, take, take something out of it and apply it to their lives this week, God. That as we go into Thanksgiving and in the holiday season, that we can remember that you are at the center of it all. God, I just thank you for what you did for me, that you died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, you rose from the grave and now are seated at the right hand of God. And that all we have to do, all we have to do is believe it's by grace through faith that we are saved. I just pray for the rest of the service. Allow it to be glorifying to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.